Jesus, yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, and yours is the name above every and all name that has ever been uttered, Jesus, 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 we worship you and we gather in your name, amen. You may have a seat. All right. Kingdoms. Kingdoms is what we've been talking about for the month of January. And I just want to remind us that kingdoms are more than just the things of fairy tales in movies. You know, you think of the kind of the popular, famous kingdoms uh, in movies and in fairy tales. Uh, I think of Shrek. Anyone seen the movie Shrek? I've seen it multiple times. Like, what's, what's the name of that kingdom? Like, Durlock or something? Dulak, yes, Dulak. And it's King Farquhar or something? I cannot pronounce names. You've, you've know, you know this. But, so there's a, there's a kingdom in Shrek, right? Jordan watches it. He knows all these things. He's like our, our resident kingdom, you know, resident here, like expert. Um, but, you know, movies have kingdoms, movies that, that we are drawn to, like, like Frozen. I've never seen Frozen in my life. And, uh, but I know, I know. I think I'm going to survive, though. I think I'll be all right. Like, I've never seen Frozen, but there's probably a kingdom going on in there. I, I've seen Princess Bride. Now, that's a cool movie. And, you know, there's a, there's a kingdom in there. It, or Lord of the Rings, you know, Narnia. I mean, all, all these movies and, and fairy tales have kingdoms. God has a kingdom. God has a kingdom. And the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God was Jesus' passion. It was his orientation it was his mission. When, when Jesus began his ministry publicly, he began with this declaration. You can read about it in different gospels. In Mark, it goes like this. Jesus says, the time has come, the kairos, you know, this, this moment, special moment in time, like something's breaking into human history. The time has come, and what has come? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. So what is the kingdom of God? Well, simply, uh, a kingdom is wherever a king is kinging. He's being king and he's ruling and he's reigning. That means wherever anyone or anything willingly submits to the lordship, the rule, the control of the king, there the kingdom of God is present. Whenever we find ourselves in any moment in time submitting, surrendering to his lordship, there is the kingdom of God present. Now there's no way, we talked about this last week, there's no way to squeeze the kingdom of God into a definition. I mean, we're going to try, but there's no way to, to fully articulate what the kingdom of God is in just a sentence or two because the kingdom of God and its storyline are way too big to condense into a couple sentences. But I do like how Reggie McNeil, who wrote a book called Kingdom Come, characterizes the kingdom of God. He says this, the kingdom of God is life as God intends it to be. It's his original blueprint for all of creation. You see a picture, a glimpse of this in Genesis 1 and 2. The kingdom of God is life as God intends it to be. In, in, in the narrative of the kingdom 
is this epic and heroic story of what God has done, is doing, and will do to bring about the fulfillment of his rule and reign in his creation, in his universe. So in week one, when we began this series at the beginning of January, we talked about how the kingdom comes, the kingdom is present and evident when the king's will is being done. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done as it, on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom and God's will are, are connected. Um, matter of fact, whenever I think you read the Bible and you come across the word Lord, just substitute the word king and, and you get this sense of the lordship and the kingship of God. In week two, we learned that our king is a just king. Justice is on the heart of our king. So that means justice needs to be on the heart of the king's people. And the way we bring justice is the way Jesus brought justice is you enter in, you get close, you incarnate the, 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 the way life was intended to be into a particular moment in time. And then last week we talked about how the kingdom is seekable. It's, you can seek it. You can pursue it. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be taken care of. And the way we seek it is by trusting in our king with all of our heart and leaning not on our own understanding and all our ways acknowledging him. And he will yeshar our path. He will sweep our path. He will make straight our path. He will guide us step by step into life. And we, we, we use that story right at the very end of the, the two cows, the Philistine cows, that um, were carrying the, the presence of God, the ark of, of, of the presence of God on a cart. And, and it's almost this picture of how the presence of God um, is both something that we carry and that leads us and guides us. So, so to seek the kingdom of God means we need to seek the presence of God. So we've been talking a lot in January about the kingdom and about the king. Today we're going to talk about the queen, okay? We're going to talk about the queen today. In a kingdom, the queen is the woman married to the king. God has a kingdom. Jesus is, queen, Jesus is king. And his queen is both beautiful and mighty. Who is Jesus' queen? Who is Jesus' bride? The church. The church. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the church this morning as it relates to the kingdom of God. But we may not be talking about it in the way you're used to talking about the church. So with that in mind, let me pray us into this. Father, King, reveal to us this morning your heart and your love, your desire, your purpose for your queen, us, the church. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open up our minds, inspire us, remind us of our identity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so like we've pointed out in this series along the way multiple times, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God like a lot. A lot. It was his favorite subject. It was his favorite thing to talk about. Even when he only had 40 days left on this earth, it's all he talked about. Um, you can go through the Gospels, and depending on who's doing the counting, you can find anywhere from 80 to over 100 times where Jesus directly or indirectly is talking about, teaching about, demonstrating the kingdom of God. But, as we've also noticed, 
He only talks about the church like three times. Only three times is that Greek word ekklesia used. And, and one time Jesus says, matter of fact, I'll build the church. Okay, like I'll build the church. So, so we see this difference between the kingdom of God and the church. So it's clear that the kingdom of God and the church are not the same thing. And I think that's really important for us to understand. Um, maybe we already have understood that, but, but I just want to be really clear about that this morning. Um, the kingdom of God and the church are not the same thing. The church and the kingdom of God are not one in the same. Too many Christians, I think, especially in the West, I, 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 they, I think they think God's primary agenda on earth is the building of churches. It's not. Or, or they think that maybe what happens on Sunday morning in a gathering like this, in a building like this, largely defines the mission and the ministry of the church. It doesn't. Or we think that people aren't, quote unquote, going to church on Sunday morning, so God's agenda isn't working. I'm here to tell us, trust me, God's agenda is working. God's plan is working. Maybe not as evidently in the West as it is in non-Western contexts where the church is exploding. I think maybe what our challenge is, is we've sort of confused the storyline or the narrative of the kingdom of God with the narrative and the storyline of the church. Again, just to, to reach back to Reggie McNeil and uh, how I appreciate how he articulates some things. In that same book, Kingdom Come, he says this. The church is not the point of the kingdom. The kingdom is the point of the church. That's good. The church is not the point of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, however, is the point of the church. The kingdom of God is bigger than the church of God. The kingdom of God is bigger. It's kind of like, think about it this way. The United States and Michigan, the state of Michigan and the country of the United States, both are the United States. But the United States is way bigger than Michigan. All of the state of Michigan is in the United States, but not all of the United States is in Michigan. All of the church is in the kingdom of God, but not all of the kingdom is in the church because the kingdom of God is bigger than the church. The church is a subset of the kingdom of God. Likewise, I think it's also just good to remind ourselves of this, the kingdom of God is older than the church. The kingdom, like we talked about, that's where the king is kinging, the rule and reign of God, life as God intends it to be, that's been around since the beginning and is eternal. The church came afterwards. So I think we also need to be careful not to reduce the kingdom of God simply to the church. What helps me in this way to, to think about this and to, to maintain perspective is it helps me to think of the church is the vehicle. The church is the vehicle of the kingdom. The kingdom is the vision the church is the vehicle that helps transport the vision. The kingdom can't be contained inside the vehicle. 
So we got to be careful. I, again, I think especially where you and I live here in West Michigan, kind of, you know, maybe the church capital of, of the area. You know, I, I think we need to be careful not to make the vehicle the vision. Don't make the vehicle the vision. The vision isn't to get as many people into the vehicle as possible. You know, we'll just have more services. We'll just have more sites. And we'll just have more of this and more of that. The, 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 the vision isn't to get more people into the vehicle. So consider when you travel. Like when, when you go on vacation or you go somewhere. Maybe some of you are making plans to go to spring break coming up in a few months. Maybe you're flying. The airport is never the destination, right? The airport isn't like where you're trying to get. Now, I don't know if this illustration is going to work. It makes a ton of sense in my mind, but I'm not positive it's going to like work. But I'm going to go for it anyway. Like I was thinking about this. Um, like last year in April of 2019, um, I, had, I got the, the privilege of representing Victory Point on a trip to Iraq to visit our mission partners there. The, the Rays, awesome family, and the Refuge Initiative through World Orphans doing incredible work um, building community and family for refugees in northern Iraq, in Kurdistan, Iraq. And uh, it, was a, it was a quick, intense, awesome trip. A long flight, obviously. You know, multiple connections. On the way back, it was just a fiasco. You've probably had experiences like this before. Like, th- there was like flights canceled, you know, and, and then rescheduled and time in an airport, like, you know, throughout the night. And then you get into rerouted and finally get into Chicago, which isn't where we were supposed to go. And then there's a snowstorm. And uh, I can remember like that afternoon, there's a snowstorm on the way. Um, we get to Chicago, we get off one plane, we go to our next gate, we get on another plane and we just sit there. Have you ever had this? Like you just sit there, like it's the most I don't know what, what word I want to use, but, but like it's, it's so frustrating to just sit on a plane that's going nowhere. And, and you know it's supposed to go somewhere and you're just sitting there and it's going nowhere. And it's like, let me get off and, and go get something to eat or drink or something. Like, like make a, somebody make a decision. Why is the, we're waiting on a gas truck. Well, you know, didn't you know it needed gas before we got on the plane? I mean, like, come on. Like, I, I don't believe half the stuff coming over the speaker. And like, it was just like, get off, get on, get off, get on. Then we end up spending the night and getting on a different flight. Like, have you had these kind of experiences when we, it, I think it's like this. If we make, if the goal is just to get on the plane, if the goal is, is when we make the vehicle, the vision or the destination, if we reduce the church to that's the destination, that's where we're trying to get everybody to, we're tempted to make it our mission, I think, sometimes to simply fill up the plane. A plane that's just sitting at the gate, going nowhere. That maybe someday we will leave you know, from, from this place and go to our arrival, you know, destination of heaven or something. But, but it, might, it might be a long time, you know, before we take off, before we get going. It, we we got to be careful not to make the vehicle the vision, not to make the vehicle the destination. Now, I want to say this appropriately. Getting people saved isn't the only point of God's vehicle the church. It's a very important point. It's a very important purpose. You know, it, it, it's certainly part of it. Jesus' work on the cross 
um, definitely is necessary to save us from the penalty of sin. But that isn't the only purpose of the church. The story doesn't end there. We've not only been saved from something. We've been saved to something. We've been saved for something. We've been saved for life as God intended it to be right here, right now. Jesus says, I've come so that you might have life and have it abundantly. And have it to the full, right here, right now, not just when you get to heaven. The church is not an evacuation from the world vehicle. The church is a vehicle of world transformation. The kingdom of God is not simply a message, it's a mission. And it's to help as many people as possible experience life as God intended it to be right here, right now. So the church, we need to get this. The church was created on purpose for a purpose. And that purpose is this. To be a kingdom-bearing, kingdom-bringing, invading force, partnering with God in his redemptive mission here on earth. Let me just say that again. The purpose of the church is to be a kingdom-bearing, kingdom-bringing, invading force, partnering with God in his redemptive mission here on earth. The king has a bride, the church. And the church is not just a place or a program. It's a people. It's a people. It's not just a what. It's a who. And it's always been and always will be. You can take the place and the program away We still have a church. We still have a people. I want you to turn with me to Exodus 19. So right at the beginning of the scriptures. Second book in the Bible. Find Exodus 19. Let me just give you a little context before we read these verses. Moses is meeting with God on Mount Sinai after the Israelites' dramatic rescue from and, and escaped from Egypt. Now, in Moses' early in, earlier encounter with God on this mountain, remember the burning bush and, and the conversation that God had with Moses? Um, God had told Moses to someday come back to this mountain, that time with the people of God, so you can imagine Moses' anticipation, if you will. Okay, I'm back on this mountain again. This time I've got the people of God with me. They're right down below. And uh, I wonder what God has for us. I wonder what God's going to say to us. Exodus 19. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves, you've seen what I did. You've seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and you keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words, Moses, you are to speak to the Israelites. Now I had the, um, the honor and the blessing and the privilege 
of uh, going on a trip to Israel um, in June of 2018 with RVL, with Ray Vanderland. I know some others have had that same experience or are about to. Um, and I, I remember distinctly like this story in, in how like um, we, we, we climbed a similar mountain, not Mount Sinai, but a mountain kind of similar to Mount Sinai. And at the top, uh, you know, RVL was teaching on this and it totally has ever since changed my understanding of these words in a very profound, beautiful way. And he, he helped us understand that how in the Hebrew language, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in understanding like the, these words of invitation, of identity that, that God was sharing with the Israelites through Moses um, were way more significant than we understand. That, that God was basically inviting taking Israel to be his bride. God was taking the people of Israel to be his human partner, to be his bride. Now, if you look at Israel's track record, I think a case can be made that, yes, at times it was maybe sort of an unattractive, disobedient, immoral, unfaithful bride. I mean, even while Moses is up on the mountains or down, you know, building calves and things like that. But, but God, nonetheless, saw beauty in Israel. And he understood that maybe their waywardness would actually be an advantage because they're going to have a heart for the marginalized and for wayward people because they themselves were that. So God invites Israel to be his bride. So ever since, I've, I've viewed up on Mount Sinai and this interaction between God and Moses and, and the Israelites as it, it's a wedding ceremony. It's God choosing a human partner in his kingdom. It's the king choosing a queen to, to be his bride, which, which transforms everything, right? Because then you look at things like the commandments, the Ten Commandments and so forth. Th- those are not just rules and regulations. Those are wedding vows. This is how you relate to me as, as a spouse. This is how like, we live in the world you know, as, as, as God's bride. It's so, it was so, so beautiful. I mean, like just jot down Jeremiah 2, 1 through 2 and read those verses and you'll catch like how both God and the Israelites understood that this is what was going on in that moment. And you have God here in these, in these words saying, the whole earth is mine. All of creation is mine. And I think what God is, is sort of implying is, and I want it back. I want it back. I want it back, you know, the way it was intended to be. The kingdom is life as God intended it to be. I want it back because we understand, right, there's another kingdom at play. There's a prince of darkness who's at work to totally destroy anything of the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus talks about it like the, when he talks about the enemy, like he's like a prowling lion that wants to seek, you know, to tear down and to destroy and to kill like, like there, there's been an enemy at play against the kingdom of God ever since the fall, ever since sin. And um, God is at this moment like, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to take a bride and I'm going to choose a human partner. And, and we're going to like go after reversing, you know, what the kingdom of darkness, you know, is doing to the kingdom of light. I mean, we, we don't, I don't have to like... Um, convince you, right, that, that there's, a, there's a kingdom of darkness that's at war with the kingdom of light. I mean, we experience the brokenness all the time, 
all around us in our own lives. I mean, I, I sat at uh, Itty Bitty on, um, I don't know, Thursday night with just some, some men from this church. And, and we were really like, like lamenting about a bunch of brokenness going on in the lives of our friends. In, in the brokenness um, being experienced, you know, in our siblings. And, um, you know, in, in the world, in, in up close and personal. Uh, the, the, the enemy's like trying hard to tear down. You know, like the, the, the world doesn't work like it's supposed to. You know, are, there, there's illnesses that we battle. There, there's long-term chronic, like, and we, we cry out for healing. And, and we, we wait for it, like... Like, our, our, our bodies break down. I, I know, like, uh, you know, like Renee Crozier, I don't know where she is right now, but, like, like your, your dad passed away yesterday morning. And, like, that, his whole health journey had been, like, declining. And it's hard to watch because there's brokenness in this world, and we experience it. And, um, you know, this, let's just rally around Renee and, and their family. You know, they're going to have a, a funeral and a visitation on Wednesday. Um, but, but I'm just saying, like, every week I could get up here and I could come up with some example that happened during the week that just is an indicator and a reminder that there's another kingdom at play. And I think what God is doing in this moment is he's saying, it, the whole earth is mine and I want it back. And I want it back the way it's supposed to be. And the way I'm going to go about that is I'm going to choose you, Israel, to be my partner on earth, to be my bride. You know, life is not as God intended it to be. And God's saying, I need a suitable partner. Israel, will you marry me? And you know what? As my bride, here's what you're going to become. You're going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to be a kingdom of priests. We've been talking about the kingdom of Lot. You're going, to, you're going to bring the kingdom. You're going to bring my rule and reign through your presence, through your incarnation. You know, when, when you do my will, Israel, did you catch that language? When you obey me, when you keep my covenant, um, the kingdom is going to advance. My kingdom is going to advance against the kingdom of darkness. Because obedience is the love language of God. Obedience is his love language. And, and you're going to be priests. You're going to be priests. Priests during the time of the Old Testament, they were the representatives of the gods that they served. All the nations had priests in this day that served their various deities. So to be a priest was not a foreign concept for the Israelites like it maybe is for us today. It was language that they understood. Because every god around them made of wood and stone was represented by a priesthood of some sort. A priest dressed differently than a normal layperson. A priest was set apart for the service, um, and they were held to a very high conduct of standard. And then the priest's number one job, the number one mission of the priest was to put their God on display. To put their God on display. If you wanted to know what a God was like in the ancient world, you just looked at the priest. They were also the mediator between God and the people. They, they were to meet the people's needs on behalf of that deity. And they were to show the people how compassionate that deity was. Because the welfare of that day, there wasn't a welfare system. Welfare, justice, things like that was administrated through the, the priesthood and the temple. And, and you can appreciate how if you understand priest in that way, and now you have God saying, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. 
And that's going to be your job description. You're going to do all those things now to the world so that the world will know that there is a God. There is one true God, and here's what he's like. You will be for me a kingdom of priests. And this identity extends throughout the whole scriptures. I'm just going to quickly move through these. Peter says this, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In Revelation, when John starts uh, that, that book, that letter, he, sa- he has this at the very, very beginning as he's speaking to the, the churches. He says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, he's the firstborn from among the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom in priests to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory. And then later on, John says this. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, they're talking about the lamb, and to open its seal because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tongue, every tribe and language and people and nation You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Note that what started out as an identity and a role for Israel has now been extended to every ransom person from every tongue, tribe, and nation, regardless of background. It went from you will be to now you have become. So here's the deal, people sitting in this room. You are a priest. You are a priest in the kingdom of God. The king of the kingdom of God has a queen, a bride, a church, a human partner, a kingdom of priests. And a priest is someone who shows everyone around them by their words and by their lifestyle what God is like who through obedience, because that's God's love language, who through obedience to the king advances his kingdom. The kingdom of God isn't advanced here from 10 to 11 on Sunday morning. I mean, I, I think this definitely plays a role. And this contributes. This fuels the kingdom. It's where... the. the Sunday mornings in this building at 10 o'clock is where the priests all gather back up after a week of priesting, and we get reminded to keep going, don't give up. And and we get to sing together with lots of people, which isn't something we get to do during the week. And we get to tell stories of of how the the king is, is, is advancing his kingdom through us. And we get to sometimes have a meal to have nourishment for the journey. But like we've said before, this... This is kind of like the locker room where the team gathers at halftime to kind of lick our wounds, to be refreshed, to get some Gatorade, and to get back out into the game. Because the game is out there. This is not the game. This is just the vehicle. The vision is the kingdom. And the kingdom goes beyond this. So, like we do every morning when we gather on a Sunday here, let's get back out there. Let's get back out there. Let's take the vehicle out of park Put it back in drive and go. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. Out there. Church isn't a come and see. 
It's a go and be. It's always been the plan. It's, it's always been the pattern. That, that's the incarnation. I was looking at some stats this week. I came across some stats. I didn't verify them. So they might be close, but they might not be exact. Okay, but someone did some counting of, of stories in the scripture and said that uh, of the 132 stories of Jesus in the Bible, of the 132 stories, 122 of them happened in the marketplace, out there, okay? Acts of the apostles. Of the f- maybe 40 miraculous events that you read about in the Acts of the apostles, 39 of them happened outside of a religious setting. Happened out there, out there. I, I, I was looking up this stat this week too. Did you know this? 25% of Americans show up to a church building at least three times every eight Sundays. And that's like average church attendance. Like 25% of Americans show up to a church building at least three times every eight Sundays. We might have a little bit higher stat here in West Michigan because, you know, Christendom is, is still like holding on here. But that's not the truth for the rest of the, the country in, in the world. All I'm saying is... Um, This isn't where the kingdom advances. This is where the kingdom gets fueled, but it advances out there through the priesthood of believers, the church. I mean, you know who goes to church? Church people, us. We go to church. And and we, we, you know, churches, especially in highly concentrated church areas, are good at just kind of trading around the church people. But but this, this isn't where the kingdom really hits the road. It's when we leave here. It's when we go out and get into our vehicles and put them into drive and we go to wherever we go for the rest of the week. I think it's time for the American church to grab hold of the right narrative, to recover maybe the the kingdom narrative, not the church narrative. Because people aren't coming to church in America. The church needs to bring the kingdom to people. And that's our jobs, that's our identity, that's our role as the priesthood of believers. You are a priest. You are a priest. You are a priest in God's kingdom. How does that impact you? How might it impact you when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you say to yourself, after you say like what I do, like you're so good looking, you know. Maybe then you say like, I am a priest. I am a priest in the kingdom of God. Wherever I go, whatever I do, God is counting on me to show the world what he is like. I'm going to invite the band up just to kind of get prepared. Uh, Kids are going to come in in just a, a few minutes, I believe, as well. But I just want to lead us into a time of reflection. How might your everyday, day-to-day life be transformed if you begin and I begin to take seriously every day this identity that God has called us to and given to us as saved people that you are are not just saved from something, you're saved for something. You are part of the priesthood of believers now. You are part of the kingdom of priests. You're not alone. Look around you. 
You are not alone in this. You are part of a kingdom of priests. You are part of a priesthood of believers. But you know what that means then? This is what I think it means. I think it means your family, your school, whether that's Eagle Crest or West Ottawa or Holland Christian or Zeeland or Borculo or Black River or whatever other school might be represented here um, is now your ministry. It's your parish. It's where you are a priest on mission in the kingdom of God. Your workplace, the people that sit near you in the cubicles or on the, the line, um, that they are now like, that's your parish, that's your ministry. The, the, the people that, that work for you, that's your ministry. The people that you work for, that's your ministry. The people that live across from you or beside you, that's your ministry. You, you, are, you are on all the time. You, you are a priest. It, it's not just the, the paid person who stands up front on a Sunday morning. Like, we're all in this. We are all priests. How might that transform your days? Our job as kingdom of priests is to put God on display through our words and through our lives. So as you think back, like to your, your day-to-day life, what kind of God are you putting on display? Your, your life, think about it this way, your life is a billboard. Your life is a billboard to the one and true God. Your life is a billboard that shows the world that God is real and that he loves them. And there's a life that God intends people to have that's way different than the one they're experiencing. And you get to bring that every moment by moment, inch by inch into the world. And we take back the territory that the kingdom of darkness has taken. And we claim it back because the whole world is God's. And it belongs to him. Everyone belongs to him. And he wants people back. And we get to, we get to join him in that. There's no plan B. So it's a heavy and privileged calling. So... Let's think about that as we go into our days, um, as we go into our weeks, as we go into our every moments. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you uh, just for this privileged identity that you have invited us into as the church, as the bride of Christ, as your queen. I pray that it's identity that... um, really gets inside of us and begins to form our day-to-day lives. That we will take seriously, Lord, the responsibility and the privilege we have to be a billboard for our God, to put you on display wherever we find ourselves. And as we do that, Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. All right, before we sing one more song, we're going to invite the kids forward. Uh, like Brendan said, they've been doing a really special activity. So can we just kind of welcome them forward? And Jill will uh, kind of give some.